0: Hey guys, KU beat writer Jesse Newell here. On today's podcast episode with Blair Kirkhoff, we discuss first the FBI investigation into college basketball, talking about the perception of the Jayhawks, how it's going to be this year with both fans of the program and also those outside the program. We go on quickly to talk about the Emporia State exhibition victory, our first impression of Deidre Blossom and also KU's defense. And then at the end, discuss KU's 27-26 victory over TCU and what that means both for the program and also Coach David Beatty. With that, here's today's episode. Blair, how you doing this week?
1: Doing great, Jesse. Doing great. I hope you are too.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, an interesting week for KU Athletics and KU Sports and Both KU basketball and football, we're going to get to all of that, but I know you made it to the Emporia State exhibition opener for KU basketball, so we were both there sitting side by side watching uh, the Jayhawks in their exhibition opener. Uh, I know you wrote about a little bit of, um, I guess for lack of a better term, the cloud that sort of hangs over the program with the FBI probe with some of the unanswered questions that remain and some of the questions that are going to remain moving forward with this KU basketball program. So can you take us a little bit into that column and, I guess, how you think that this Kansas basketball team will be perceived this season even in the midst of having, you know, a number one ranking and being considered by most as one of the best teams in the nation?
1: Yeah, you know, I I was – Fairly confident of a Ku victory that night over over Emporia, so I didn't <laughs> uh, wasn't there to see the, the 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 competition. Although there was, make no mistake, there, there's a great curiosity factor with this team because of all the new faces, and it was the the unveiling, really, the competitive unveiling of a lot of new Jayhawks. So I, I was curious to see how how some of those those guys did, and we can talk about that. But but the other reason I was there is just to just to get a sense of the mood and the vibe of um of of fans and uh, just how you know just the atmosphere a little bit uh, the timing was such that um Bill self addressed the media the day before right in in Lawrence and in Kansas City and uh, because that was uh, the response the Kansas response to the the uh, the, the guilty verdict of the, the Adidas representatives in, in the New York courtroom so I mean, the Candace, which hadn't said much at all, if anything about it at all, all of a sudden had, you know, public displays of, of, you know, of the game and, um, and press conferences. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to get a, a sense. I talked to some fans there before the game and, uh, and, and what I, kind of what I found was people are, are, are still, it's such an unusual place that people are still processing, Everything. Um, and I, I talked to about three or four fans and they didn't want to go on the record. They, they were willing to chat, but didn't want to go on the record about it. So, um, it, it, it is an odd place for Kansas. The, you know, the, the, the um, the FBI did what it did. The, the court, you know, the, the, the defendants and the prosecution did, did what it did in the, in New York and, um, and, and no program in the country got dragged through the mud in, you know, in that courtroom more than Kansas did in the last several days of the, you know, of the testimony. So there was, uh, there was just a lot there, um, and a lot of, you know, you know, uncomfortable news for for the Jayhawks. Um, you know, Bill Self, of course, didn't, didn't address it afterwards. I, I tried to talk to him a little bit about it and he'd said, he said everything he was going to say publicly at the, you know, at the press conferences the, the previous day. So, but yeah, I, I I just wanted to get a sense of how how Kansas fans were feeling about everything. It, it's such an unusual place to be with um, you know a basketball program that's beloved by its fans that is playing with a you know with a bit of a you know like for lack of a better term it's kind of cliche but with a little bit of a cloud over hanging over it through you know through the season. And I you know every time that as long as Silvio de Souza doesn't play every time he's shown on television, uh, commentators are going to talk about this. You know, why, why is he not dressed out? Well, he's not dressed out because of this. And, um, and, and, and then you get into a little bit of a conversation on, on ESPN or whatever network is carrying the game. So this isn't an issue that's going to go away for Kansas. It's going to be with him throughout the season. And I, I don't, I don't know how, Um, you know, I don't know how it fades, how quickly or to what degree it fades into the background. I'm sure once the balls roll out against the likes of Michigan state and, you know, the, the the really, really good non-conference schedule that Kansas plays, it'll be less of a, it'll be less of a topic and less of the forefront of people's minds, but it's always going to be there for Kansas this year. And that makes this season just a little bit, a little bit unusual. I mean, how many, how many times, Jesse, you're going to go to a press conference and have to, you know, whether it's you or someone else, going to have to ask Bill about, you know, Silvio. Is he, is he playing this week? And if he's not, why? And again, that, that that becomes part of the story and part of the narrative of, of this Kansas season.
0: Yeah, I, I think what I can see, and, and you brought up a really good point about how the this fan base feels about it and how these fans feel about their own program, which I think is a huge angle from this, and we've talked about this in the past, about how there's sort of a wide variety of fans, you know, there's casual fans, there's people who are diehards, who maybe understand a little bit better how it works, but it's sort of almost... um, I, you know, I hate to keep going back to cliches when we're talking about this, but it's almost a little bit, almost like a, a loss of innocence or something, Blair. You know what I mean? There's almost like it's sort of, yeah, it's no, sort of out there, and and so nobody can shield or hide themselves from the fact that that some of this stuff appears to go on behind the scenes in college basketball. But when I'm speaking about you know your topic, which is KU fans, I think what's going to come out very clear very soon is how other fans feel about it and when KU goes to road environments and when there are signs and when there are chants and when there are accusations of cheating all those sorts of things because you know you hear this i mean people and teams get reputations like this in sports you know you hear about the patriots oh they won a super bowl oh yeah well they're cheaters i mean that's just kind of the cliche and for people who don't understand the situation in nuance that's kind of what you immediately get associated with so for kansas i think that's sort of what they have to battle against maybe more than anything is just maybe the reputation whether deserved or undeserved in this whole thing that the perception of them from afar is going to be, uh, that there were some things going on that shouldn't have been going on at Kansas. And that might be some of the reason for their success. Now, again, that has not been proven out in court, but that is sort of the reputation you have to battle, especially when not everybody understands the situation as well as KU does, as well as we do, as well, honestly, as the KU fan base does after they hear and read about all these reports that have been coming out recently. That's,
1: that's a good point. And, um, and it, it makes, yeah, I I don't get the sense, having covered college sports for for a long time, that Kansas is viewed nationally. Kansas basketball is viewed nationally as a, uh, it's not it's not Duke. Duke has looked at, you know, Duke, the spoiled, entitled, you know, yeah. uh, program that, uh, you know, with with Mike Shishovsky and Kentucky. How you know, how do they get all those one and dons Wink, wink, wink. You know, and uh, how how is Calipari getting it done? And and my gosh, Carolina—the the, the greatest, um, you know, how did the, the greatest scandal of all time academically—and and they got off. And how did, the, you know, what happened to their reput— you know, their reputation? Well, Kansas has never been part of that. Kansas has been part of when you talk about the great programs in the country: Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina. That—that's basically the extent of Kansas's association with. Uh, you know, with the national perception of college basketball. Now, within the Big Twelve, it's a little different. You know, they, you know, I think the, the Big Twelve programs are a little wary of, you know, of KU winning it year after year and getting all the players and uh, and cutting down the nets every year. So it's maybe a little different within the the footprint. But nationally, I just don't get that. At least I haven't. I could I could be totally wrong, but I just don't. Nobody looks at Kansas the way they do other programs. Uh, you know, in a you know it's sort of a little bit of a jaundiced eye but but now i i don't know i mean it's you know the the testimony's out there and while kansas may not get in a lick of trouble over this i mean the ncaa could um you know if if when once the ncaa uh gets involved uh kansas could could absolutely uh not get in any trouble over any of this you can infer or um, the the conversations that were read in court and some that weren't read in court but shared with reporters that made their made their way into the public realm um, can can be explained away and and can can be done so um, you know through, you know with, with all you know all fairness could be could be explained away and yet I think there's you know people will look at Kansas at least for now in in the moment a, a little differently.
0: I definitely think that, and that's sort of what KU will have to face. But obviously we've had lots of coverage on the Adidas trial. If anybody needs it, com is there. Uh, you can search Google Adidas trial. We've we've been covering uh, the, the events of the last three weeks you know, quite frequently, and then I had Adam Zagoria out in New York as a correspondent as well. So you can get your coverage of there if you need to catch up on that. But I do want to talk briefly about the basketball team because obviously, like I said earlier, a lot of excitement about this number one team, and this was the first opportunity to see them. Uh, in live, in person, against a real opponent. Uh, first off, I thought Emporia State looked pretty good uh, for a team that is going through a coaching transition. And I've seen too often those games, if a team gets down early, a D2 team gets down early, downfield house, those turn into... to and that's not what happened in this game. Emporia State fought back, so uh, maybe a good season under Craig Doty in his first year, but uh, for Kansas, the the thing that immediately stood out is Diedrich Lawson, and I voted him first-team All-American on my AP ballot, and I'm not regretting that after one meaningless exhibition game, because him going for 31 points (laughs) and 15 rebounds, having a bunch of assists, and generally looking awesome. I I guess, what was your first impression of seeing Diedrich out there on the court? Yeah, no, he
1: um, he he was really really good, you know, against a, a division two opponent, but a well coached division two opponent. I, I agree. Um, I I think uh, Doty, he's won championships in two other stops. I I suspect he'll he'll have a nice uh, run at Emporia State. But um, the the way I looked at at Lawson, and this was my first time, I, I saw a couple of the a couple of the games at Memphis, but against lesser competition uh, there too. But um, I, I think he's going to be something of a, you know, a, a Kansas-like player in that he's going to have an outstanding season at Kansas, and he'll probably be an NBA player, but not, you know, not a front, not a, not a starter. You know, not a, you know, he, he just he just seems like a, a a really really good college basketball player. The, you know, his, he's got the he's got the smarts and he uh, used his body really well. Uh, was always you know was seemed to be around the ball uh re- rebounded at, what 31 and 15 15 rebounds from him when you when you got Azabuki on the floor that's that was pretty pretty he was getting rebounds away from his teammates so uh i think he's you know he, every bit the uh, preseason accolades that went his way were deserved and uh i'm I'll, I'll be curious really curious to see him in uh you know against the better competition that that's starting up here really soon um, I was also curious about the point guard. I didn't know exactly what they were thinking, what they were doing there. Uh, but I thought Bill Self made it pretty clear after the game that until Charlie Moore plays defense the way that that uh, he that Self and Kansas expects their guys to play defense, that uh, that Dodson's going to be the guy there, and he looks like a you know a real energy type player as well. So first impressions, I thought, um, you know, cut him some slack for the. For the turnovers, especially by the big guys against a smaller team and something they haven't worked on. I uh, I think that that's something that'll get taken care of. But overall, I, I saw nothing in that game that leads me to think this isn't one of the best you know, handful of teams in the country.
0: Yeah, well, Diedrich, I think if you're a KU fan looking at it from that perspective, what probably makes you more enthusiastic or sure about him is that this has happened in the past. I mean, this is not a type of player that Bill Self has gotten and it just doesn't work out. You know what I mean? This is the type of player Bill Self gets yeah. and it works out great. I mean, you're talking Marcus Morris and the best of Marcus Morris's junior year in 2010-2011. You're talking about Perry Ellis, a four-year guy, a guy who will have his name up in the rafters before it's all said and done. I mean, this type of stretch for, you know, not a great... Well, and Marcus Morris is showing some signs in the NBA, but again, not your t- guy that's going to go top five in the draft, super... Super athletic player. I mean, that's exactly what Dieter Lawson is. So I, I think you see some things there. A couple other things you, you mentioned the turnovers. Uh, that will be something to watch for Kansas because what they really went to the last two years is they, they went to the small ball. They put more freedom in their guards' hands, and then they also uh, were more okay taking early three-pointers and what that does is sometimes that's you know you might not get as good a three-pointer but you get a shot up and so as a result their turnover percentage went way down what they did the other night is went back to a lot of the fist offense or you know the ball screen offense and trying to throw in the post and two post players because of the, the personnel that they have but that that has to get ironed out because if you turn over at that rate you're not going to have an efficient offense no matter what. So a lot of things to iron out there uh, with the offense, but that'll be something to watch moving forward. How much are they going to incorporate the old versus the new, and how quickly can all those guys pick up the pieces? Because at least in theory, you would think Diedrich Lawson and Yudoka Azabuki could really feed off each other well. Diedrich's such a good passer, Yudoka's such a lone side, could take up so much space. You would think that could be kind of a complementary thing that could work out really well. At least for one game, Diedrich was great, but again, Yudoka struggled against a smaller team and didn't really find his footing. That should be better against bigger teams, but uh, that will be something to watch moving forward. And then I've got to add, add in there, too, with KU's defense pressuring out. There were a couple possessions early where they were just fantastic at that. And Bill Self if he has his way, I mean, what he likes to do more than anything else, he doesn't like to give up easy shots. So he doesn't like to gamble a bunch defensively, but I mean, if you can have your cake and eat it too, if you can get out and pressure and get in passing lanes a little bit and still feel good about your rim protection and being able to recover defensively like a Devon Dotson can, like a Quentin Grimes can, you kind of get the best of both worlds, and that's where you see some of the teams like 2007-2008 Kansas, where they become one of the most dominant defensive teams out there. This team could have that type of potential because they have speed, they have quickness, they have length, they have some rim protection, and you add a few steals to that. Uh, this team could really be really dynamite defensively. Again, just one game, just Emporia state, but showing some of those signs early is definitely a positive sign.
1: Yeah, and what a I mean, really a um, uh, fascinating uh, philosophical choice for for Bill self to have to to, to play one way and, and then have it to change almost entirely for based on your personnel. I think he maximized last year's team, didn't he? I mean, with yes. to get that team to the final four, listen really nice players, really, really nice players, and I think Devontae Graham, once he gets healthy, will end up being a better n b a player than maybe we we thought he might be uh a year or so ago but um but but no, that's uh to to play the way that Kansas did, which was really limited on uh, what they were to maximize the talent and their skills on that team. Um, and to get to the final four that, that was that was just phenomenal uh but but this is more of a team to you know when I think of a sort of a classic Bill South Kansas team this is the kind of team I think about yes. um the, the, you know when I think about the, the 08 and the 12 teams that uh, that had a little bit of everything um and that 12 team that got to the championship game much more defensive minded than offensive minded but um but but had but had the shot blocking ability with with and Robinson and um and, and 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 could shoot a little bit with Tyshawn Taylor and uh, Elijah Johnson but but this one has i think this one just has the potential to to almost have a little bit of the best of both worlds for for KU and and uh if that's the case then they will um uh, they will be every bit as good as they're projected to be Hey, it's Blair Kirkoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on kansascity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just 8 cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash Sports
0: It's fascinating, too, hearing Bill self this year because in years past, I agree with you, Blair, that this is what he would want. A wealth of big men. You can sub them in. You can throw it inside. You can get easy baskets. And then he played kind of the small-ball way the last couple years and was blessed with Devontae Graham and Steve McAiluk, who could hit threes and also deep threes, which kind of stretches the defense. So now you go back to his old way, and the thing you might hear most from him when it's uh, kind of critical of his team is like, I got to find outside shooting somewhere. Boy, it's nice to have outside shooters. You know, how are you going to readjust without outside shooters? So it is funny, like, once, once he kind of got spoiled with with the Spies and the Devontes of the world, you definitely notice when they're gone. And so Kansas will have to go back to Oldville ball. But once again, that's been very effective years in the past too. Before we get out of here, but let's talk quickly about, hey, uh, the Geahawks played some football this last weekend, and they won some football this last weekend. Uh, 27-26 at home against TCU. All of a sudden, Blair, you look up – KU is three and five. That's the same record as Kansas State. And if you if you go back to an overtime game against Nichols State in the opener, oh my gosh, what if they had won that game? We'd be talking four and four Kansas football, maybe a potential at a bowl game. But still, as it stands, I think the biggest thing for David Beatty is uh, he earned himself probably the rest of the season to to prove he deserves to be at Kansas in twenty nineteen and. They have a couple winnable games left. So I I guess what did you think of 27-26 for KU's win and and how surprising was it for you?
1: Well, let me uh let, let me before we put the perspective on that game, let's let, I want to drill down and ask you to repeat the stat that I saw you uh post on Twitter about uh yards per play in this game. <laughs> um just I, I that is that was phenomenal to me that uh i I forgot what the total yards were or and the yards per play, but it was it was lopsided in a way that has been in so many Kansas games previously, and the score reflected it. The fact that the score you know did not reflect the yards in this game um is you know uh, you know it, it it's a big step it it's a big step to be able to win a game in which by yards you know you're outplayed. That's something I'm just not. I just don't expect to see from from Kansas.
0: Yeah, let me let me repeat the stats. So, uh, I looked up on college Bowl, college Wall references play index, which is a great tool. Uh, TCU averaged seven yards per play in the game. KU averaged four point six yards. So I went back and looked at Big Twelve teams when one team averaged seven yards and held the other team below five yards per play, and since two thousand four. Big 12 teams coming into that game were 106 and 0. 106 and 0 when they had 7 yards per play and allowed the opponent 5 yards per play or less. So now it's 106 and 1. So TCU uh, very much bucked the trend. And to have that happen, I mean, you can kind of go in your mind to think about what would make that happen. Turnover margin would help. KU won that 2-0. Clutch plays. KU was great on third downs and had a fourth down goal line stand. And then special teams. And KU was great on special teams. Great punt return coverage. Great kickoff coverage. Uh, All those sorts of things made a couple big field goals. So uh, it is a crazy stat, though, because even putting all that together, you don't expect to win a game when you allow seven yards per play and you also give up uh you only get five less than five yards per play yourself, so kind of a kind of a fascinating circumstance for k u to able able to be or able to be able to get that sort of win on saturday
1: yeah, and look that's um you know th- th- and that was no bad coaching staff they beat either that Gary Patterson's one of the absolute best in in college football and um and so to 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 accomplish that to get the win now I, I would quibble with the way that the game ended. I, I don't. I don't think I disagree with taking the safety, but just sort of how, how they went about it. And then, you know, squibbing the onside kick. I, I thought was pretty risky, but uh, but it, it worked out in the end for Kansas, and and they got it done. And that I, I, I remember the feeling that Kansas had after beating Texas a couple of years ago, and that was phenomenal because it's Texas. You know, for gosh sakes, one of the top ten programs, and college football history and all all that but just in terms of um you know satisfying uh victory this this one might 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 be greater than that i not in terms of where the team's going to end up versus where texas ended up that year because i don't think either one texas didn't didn't go to a bowl and i don't think tcu will either but but just uh you know to beat a good co- you know really solid coach uh program that uh that um, that double digit wins most years and and uh, it, it has it rolling in the Big Twelve. No, that's that's a real tip of the hat to Kansas to David Beatty and and now for the perspective part, you know you, I I agree with the assessment that what he did with that win was uh, give himself a chance to finish out the season. There won't be a I don't think there'll be a change made during the season. You never know, um, but but uh, I, I think he he he'll finish out the season but then what if ha- what happens if he wins a couple more? Um, you know, I, uh, I, I don't know. We, we said in the preseason that anything, you know, anything short of a bowl, you know, eligibility would, uh, would, would, necess- would, would we see a change and, and, uh, you know, I would, I would have gone as far as anything less than, you know, five wins or so, but I guess it's possible now. And, and, you know, you make a change as athletic director so you can change the football coach and bring in his own guy. But, uh, but what if his own guy's the best candidate by the end of the season? Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll
0: you know, some to,
1: uh, all, all of college football will be keeping an eye on, on how Kansas finishes out this season.
0: Yeah, it'll be fascinating. And um, you are what your record says you are. And so KU's kind of been on the bad side of that before where they've lost close games. And right now, KU's 3-5. and five. Now, if you look at some of the underlying numbers, they're not that impressive. And if you look at how Rutgers and Central Michigan turned out this year they're not that impressive either. (laughs) And then we just spoke about how KU's KU's win against TCU kind of goes against all uh, conventional wisdom. But the bottom line is, KU is what its record says it is. So it's 3-5. and So you're probably looking at different things here. You're looking at, hey, is that record at or better than maybe what you thought it would be for Kansas? Yes. So, So that's a positive. If you're Jeff Long, if you're looking at it from a big picture perspective and saying, is this team, is this program, has it grown to the point where I think it could with a new coach? That's probably a different question and a different answer. But what David Beatty I think has done as we just said you get four more weeks and what if he beats K-State you know what if they win again this week against Iowa State at home um, all those are our ifs that if David Beatty can come through then he's at least put himself in a position to be in the discussion and I think that's all he can ask for here in, in the final month of the season
1: well and maybe maybe we'll get a few more people in the stadium than the than the 15,000 that was announced um, for for Saturday that's um uh, I mean that's probably you probably have to go back decades to see crowds smaller than than the ones of uh, like that on uh, on Saturday. So maybe a win like that will help uh, you know sell a few more tickets and create a little bit better atmosphere for for KU.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a pretty damning number, 15,069 uh on a day that was 71 degrees and basically perfect in Lawrence. Iowa State should bring more fans. Uh, they always do, driving down uh, down I-29. TCU is not going to bring that same amount of fans. And as you said, the attendance number is always kind of doctored up a little bit, so you can safely assume that there were more like eleven or 12,000 fans there on Saturday. But uh, if that's the state of the program and that's the level of interest, then that might also speak towards uh, maybe needing a change in the offseason if there's that lack of enthusiasm in a program that, once again, won its third game on, on uh, Saturday, and we'll see if they have any more left in them coming up in the final four weeks of the season. We're going to wrap up the Beat KC podcast there for Blair. This is Jesse. Thanks for checking out and be sure to tune in for another episode next week.